Welcome to the Dave Squared Podcast. I'm David Kramer, joining you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world, or at least our opinions. Uh, Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, an economics degree, and over 60 years of work experience. And we're trying to make this podcast together to try to help each other and hopefully you, the listener, uh, save some money. So, Mr. Kramer, what's today's topic? Well, uh, you sent me a text in the middle of this week uh, pointing out that the stock with that has our name as their ticker symbol, Dave, D-A-V-E, Inc., uh, was in the headlines for being, what, the biggest loser of the day or something? I think so. Yeah, I... Um... I do like the stock market, and one of the things I look at every day is I look at the I look at the biggest losers of the of the day. And and what's interesting about this stock, it, it's going to turn out to be a very small cap stock, but somehow in my filter for Yahoo um, Finance, this one shows up. And my intent is not to have these kind of small cap stocks show up, but it's it showed up in the losers, and I saw it, and I didn't know what the ticker symbol was. So I sent it to you because it has the same name, Dave D A V E. So. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, 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 I guess this ties in with our theme because uh, if anybody was thinking of buying this stock, they should save their money. But um, uh, we 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 occasionally we're not I, I don't know I'm not a crazy investor, but I like to bounce uh, my uh, investment individual stock ideas off you. And clearly, we're not licensed to give people advice on investments or anything like that. But I thought it'd be interesting if we just essentially picked one stock at random that happens to have an interesting stock ticker symbol and talk about how uh, how we'd look at it, how we'd discuss it, how we'd research it, because uh, people should do this. They should know either, it, you know, hopefully someday you'll run a company and you'll be interested in financial ratios, but um, odds are, well, I shouldn't say that. I guess less than half the country owns stock, but that hopefully you'll be successful enough to buy stocks in individual companies and you should think about how to get the information and ways you might look at it. Yeah. Well, sure. We can go through it. So, um, you know, like I, like I said, I, it caught my attention because I tend to look at the biggest losers of the day. Cause sometimes I'm a value guy. So just listeners from the, from the get go, I'm, I'm the value guy. So I'm, I'm always looking for things that are beaten down. Cause it's one of my, uh, announcers on TV likes to say you make the most money when you, when things go from terrible to just bad. Mm, interesting. So, so, I mean, I, I don't take that as good advice, but <laughs> some, sometimes you can make a lot of money when things go from terrible to just bad. So I'm always looking at things that are crashing and, and why they're crashing. And sometimes I think the market tends to overreact on the bad side. And I think sometimes the market tends to overreact on the, on the good side as well. Maybe needle overshoots either way, if you will. Absolutely. I mean, nobody can get things perfectly. And, We've talked about this before that it's pretty obvious that the way you would make money was be to buy low and sell high, but uh, people's don't work that way. Their instincts are wrong. They buy things as they're going up because oh, apples. My 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 friend made a lot of money with Apple stock, so I should buy it now. And then when it starts to go down, they panic and get out early. So uh, if you can buy things when they're oversold. And then wait for them to go back to normal. You can you can do pretty well. That easier said than done. Yeah, easier said than done. And so um, this one just caught my attention on I think it was Friday, Thursday or Friday when it was one of the biggest losers of the <laughs> of, of the day. 
Yeah. And what's the thing about sometimes you're buying the dips and sometimes you're catching a falling knife or something like this. Yes. I, th I think this is an ax falling. This is, <laughs> so I think it's a good choice to look at, to analyze because nobody in their right mind would recommend buying this. So it's just an exercise. Uh, yeah. So I don't, you know, this company appears to be, it, it appears to be uh, as a company that was founded uh, pretty recently in 2015, and it's—I'd uh, call it fint in the fintech space. I'm not 100% sure what they do, but one of the things that I always turn to is I do pay for—I do do my own investments, and I, I would uh, encourage our listeners to invest primarily in like a mutual fund or an ETF that had a broad swath of the market, broad swath of the market, I should say. But you and I both do some individual stock investments, and so if you're going to do that. Um, you should have something to help you with your homework. And I invest, uh, I shouldn't say invest. I have a service called Simply Wall Street. It's a pretty new service and it's costing me about 85 bucks a year, but it aggregates a lot of information uh, about companies. And I, and I like it. I've just been using it. Um, some other things that I think people use like Yahoo Finance. And I think Yahoo Finance runs around $300 to $400 uh, a year. And I do like Yahoo Finance. I use them to track portfolios, but you can get... Um, yeah, not investment advice, but you can get uh, a lot of these details aggregated together for a, a, a fee. Yeah. So if, if we have any younger listeners out there, uh, you know, uh, Dave Blasco here has an economics degree, so he's actually uh, trained in this stuff. But I think everybody should take at least one accounting class. I think they should. I think they should be required to graduate high school. Um, but I think when you're in college, whatever your major is, you should find a way to squeeze that in as an elective financial accounting 101. It's not, I mean, there's no math to it, right? You just some multiplication and division, um, but it makes it a lot easier to review how other companies are doing. And if you want to own your own business, you ought to know stuff like current ratios. That's true. That's true. So, you know, this stock is, a. Uh... The stock that uh, it has revenue, the revenue is growing. Um, they're not making any money just yet. So it, it appears to be more of a startup phase. What's a little disappointing from the stock's perspective is they went public in 2015. And from what I can tell, they're still not making money. Ah, Dave, you're reading it wrong. So this stock was, uh, they had an angel investor, Mark Cuban, who oh. I think that's part of the problems why the stock was so over. Uh, inflated because he's famous for being a smart money guy. Really? He's like Trump without the uh, unpleasant personality. Okay. He invested, I don't know, it, it was millions of dollars in it. And what it is, is it's, it's all web based and it's like a checking account. You can use it for overdraft protection somehow, but instead of paying interest or fees, you tip them. So people voluntarily give them money for the service. Uh, if I read it correctly. Okay. I'm sorry. My mistake. I'm, I was looking, the company was founded in 2015. They did not go to your point. They did not go public in 15. No, 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 no. The, they went public by through a SPAC. So it had some other goofy name formed in 2015. So a SPAC is a special purpose, purpose. acquisition company. Right. So it's a company set up specifically to Get investor money. Yeah. yeah, investors pool their money together. You're not quite sure what the investment company is going to buy, and then they go out and buy something for you. Yeah. yeah. So this company got some hot buzz because you know Mark Cuban has a basketball team and he's on Shark Tank. So 
Uh, and, and he's made a lot of money. He's a smart guy. Uh, he also has lots of money to throw around for, I mean, this is essentially a venture capital play, right? No mm-hmm. revenues, um, high cost of acquiring customers, but it's cool. And if it catches on, it would have been, it would have been great. Maybe this was better than, I mean, Wells Fargo sucks. I mean, at least they're not hurting anybody. We'll talk um, bad about Wells Fargo. <laughs> So that's why that if you look at their graph uh, of their price, it's if you take uh, so, well, let's pick one. Like I, I did look at Yahoo Finance.Yahoo.com. They do do some nifty stuff, and if you look at their uh, chart, the basic chart is stock price, and if you zoom out, oh no, I was looking at a different one um, to Max. Yeah, this okay. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm this the same. A rain. Yeah, so this thing they went public uh, uh, January of this year. Looks like yeah. Oh, sorry, we're in 2023, January of 2022, and they spiked to like four hundred dollars or something like that. Hmm. And now they're back down to eight bucks. Let me look at another chart. Uh, but they don't make any money to your to your point, right? Okay, so, just, so like here, let me share my screen. Uh, all right. So Morningstar has a bunch of cool stuff too, right? Morningstar.com. Mm-hmm. And so you look at this chart, Dave, you see how I was looking at this and like, why the stock doesn't move and the volume is the same from, oh, I thought that was what it was. So this, anyway, so they were, they went public backdoor. They didn't want the expense of an industrial public opening. So they allowed themselves to be acquired by, um, another company so they could sneak onto the NASDAQ, right? Essentially. Right. And they started out at 300 odd dollars a share and not to give away the ending, but that's just over $8 a share today. Um, the valuation, I mean, Dave, their, their, their market cap was $4 billion when it's between three and $4 billion at one point. Um, <laughs> and it's I so think, laughable. It's hard to talk about it in a rational fashion. Yeah, it, what's interesting, I couldn't quite figure out why my screen was picking up on it, and I'm thinking that I don't always understand how Yahoo Finance is working. But if I look at the Yahoo right now, it shows us a three billion three billion dollar market cap, which is a reasonably sized company. Um, but today, at that um, price, they're worth like a hundred or four hundred million dollars or something like that. Yeah. Which is still, which is still, it, it's a, that'd be a very small company, public company. The smallest public companies I've seen are like a hundred million dollars. But um, yeah. So you're to your point, it'd be a speculation. This is like, hey, I think this is going to turn out to be really good. Yeah. So where where was I? And a guy like Mark Cuban might have. I don't really watch. I, I see Shark Tank at the beginning of it. I don't really. I haven't really watched it, but I'm assuming that he and the other folks on Shark Tank are buying interests in a lot of companies, and one of them might make it big, and the other ones might not make it big. I, I love Shark Tank. It's fun, but people, they, mostly it's products. Uh, products like uh, a new kind of diaper pail or something that doesn't smell. So they're they're. they're they're not companies that are going to go public. Mm-hmm. They're just little micro investments, but um, so they're fun. I, maybe there's something as big as this, but they do still have 
So the, the only ratio that looked good to me <laughs> was their current ratio was 1.46, which means their current assets divided by their current liabilities is uh, 140% of their liabilities, which means they're not going to go bankrupt today, right? When that number is negative, if everybody calls in all their assets, you have to sell all your assets to pay your debts. Right. And one thing I, one of the, uh, I was just going to put a plug in for the Simply Wall Street that I pay for. When, when a company is not making money, they'll look at their cash runway. So we'll do a cash runway analysis in section 4.3 and they'll just say, hey, the company has three years of cash flow based on their current standing. If you, to, to your point, they're not making money, but they got enough cash in the bank that they can keep the doors open for three years. I see. And that's fairly common to your point. When you have a new company, you're you're investing in growth or you're you're trying to grow to make money and you're not making you're not making a profit because you're reinvesting the business. So they have a cash runway. It, it's interesting though, something like this, in my opinion, if they haven't been making money since 2015, I kind of like think, hmm, maybe not. But then again, then again, Amazon didn't make money for many, many, many years, but they reinvested all their money back in the business um, from, a, from a free cash flow perspective. Up until 2021, they had positive free cash flow, which was kind of cool. Um, Does it say their gross operating margins? Because it looked like their gross operating margins were like 40 or 50% or something crazy like that, which you get with software sometimes. Yeah, I'm looking here. I don't see that in, in this, but I'm looking at uh, simply Wall Street will, will show the revenues and they'll show their free cash flow and their cash from operations and there's positive. So they're, and what they're meaning, what they're doing, they actually make money on it. It just appears like they're probably reinvesting in growth. So I, I thought I found what I was looking for on Yahoo Finance. Uh, and they do have what I'm looking for, but it's quarterly. And uh, it's under finance.yahoo.com, but under statistics. Mm -hmm. And it shows quarterly market cap, enterprise value, trailing forward price, uh, price equity, price equity over growth, mm -hmm. um, which are worth talking about. But I thought this was annual and it's only quarterly. You have mm -hmm. to have the subscription to see it annual. Mm -hmm. But if you take a look at it quarterly, these are some big gosh darn swings in a in a one year period. So their current market cap is 100, $109 million. This isn't a tiny company. I'd be thrilled if I owned a $109 million company. But their market cap, March 31st, of 2022, less than a year ago, right? Yeah, was 2.65 billion dollars. This was a, a double unicorn less than a year ago. Um, <laughs> well, and a lot of these companies in this year who, who are just maybe speculative and haven't really made any money have crashed 70 80 percent. So, this is kind of uh, grouped together with a lot of those kind of companies, true. And, um Another reason not to take advice from us is because we would have been doing a similar analysis to this on Amazon 20 years ago. Like, oh, look at these idiots. They don't make any money. They've never made any money. Yeah. Um, and that's why I shorted it when it went to 100. And <laughs> I thought I was going to, that was very stressful. I told that story before. But um, so that's, that's an insane loss of value in the yeah. last six months. It's gone from 256 million to 109. Um, they do have something like 7 million customers, though. It's um, a lot of customers. Yeah. So when this goes bankrupt and somebody buys it for a nickel, 
they'll be able to do something with it and make some money. Uh, it's just grotesquely overvalued. Yeah. I would say hard to, over, hard to, hard, it's hard to value. Like companies that aren't making money are really hard to value. Um, unlike stable companies, like I'll just use uh, Verizon. <laughs> it was a company that I invested in. They just, they're just a lot easier to, I won't say they're easy to value because there's a lot of debate about how they should be valued, but they've been plugging away for a number of years. They pay a dividend. It's a lot, a lot easier to value. Right. I mean, you learn something when you're 21 years old. That seems right. So I read Peter Lynch's book, One Up on Wall Street, when it came mm-hmm. out. And um, I, I like pretty basic concepts, but price earnings ratio makes sense to me. Something like if your company makes a dollar a year, it's worth $10, right? Mm-hmm. So the equivalent, you're taking risk to make 10% return on equity. Um, and his rule of thumb was, your price earnings ratio should be equal to the growth rate of the company, right? So if you're growing at 10% a year, it should be a 10 P if you're growing at 30% a year, it could be a 30 P. And, um, but I still don't, it's very hard to do that math with these kind of companies that don't actually make any money. There is no earnings, so you can't figure the price. So they're doing something like price to sales sales yeah a lot of times these companies be valued price to sales ratio and the idea when you're it makes sense if 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 you or i could buy into these when mark cuban did and you own 10 of them right one of them will hit and you'll go public with it or you'll sell it to somebody who's smart enough to reuse the customers and 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 sell them something else right that figure out a way to get ads on it or uh 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 sell them uh checking accounts at Wells Fargo, and then they'll rob old people with that information. Right. Um, but it's coming out at $4 billion or $3 billion. It's hard to go up from there. Unless you're growing really crazy and you have, you know, software companies tend to have high operating margin. It's easy to leverage them to larger sizes without spending a lot of incremental money. But as I was doing this, because I, I haven't been doing much of it, it is interesting how on these free sites, and of course, I'm looking at free sites, you're willing to pay a couple bucks, um, how different the analysis is, because it should be the same. I mean, the publicly traded companies are required to have audited financials by licensed certified public accountants, and they are, it's, you know, it's a crime to falsify them. Mm-hmm. And so doing these ratio analysis is pretty basic math. You'd think everybody was doing it the same way. I guess it's because they're doing it with software. They don't have people doing it. But I also saw somewhere where it said there was a $3 billion valuation of this company. I think but- that's on, I think that's on the main page on Yahoo. That's what threw me. Cause if you go to the main Yahoo page, which is a summary page, it shows market cap of 3.085 billion. Now I'm guessing is with the data, I'm going to say the data is always right. It's just probably when it gets updated. So a, that's not real time data. So if we probably peeled the onion back and looked like when they updated, it's probably updated maybe once a year or it's an average across a year or something like that. That's interesting. I mean, that's so old that maybe it's when they do their year end financials or something. So it could be from January of last year or February. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, that's what I'm guessing. I think that's why it showed up on my filter. Cause I'm only filtering for companies that are mid-sized to large companies. Cause I, I'm not interested in small companies right now. And when it showed up on my filter, it threw me at first. And then I, I 
texted you and said, Hey, it's a $3 billion company. Like I never heard of this company before. And then I looked at it in more details. He said, wait, no. And then I looked at it, you know, shares outstanding times the price. It's like a hundred million dollars. Right. But it used to be $3 billion a year ago. Yeah. It's, it's a little hard to see why it, it dived. They gave some, uh, um, you know, what do you call it? What do you call predictions when it's an, an, an analyst update or an analyst? Per- no, from the company, they've only got one analyst following it. Yeah. It's kind of amazing for a $3 billion company, but, um, and a lot of small companies only have a handful of analysts. I, I invest, I have investments in a few small companies and sometimes there's only one analyst. So you can't get any different opinions and everybody's got an opinion about the same thing. So to your point, the facts are the facts. I don't think there's any hocus pocus going on with the numbers here, but everybody interprets them differently. Right. So somebody right. might say, I believe that they're going to, they're going to keep on growing their revenue at this rate. And they're going to be able to sell this product to a, 28 more million people in 10 years and other people believe that's not what's going to happen. There's probably a play out there, right? If they have 7 million people doing um, uh, what we call retail banking through them, Mm -hmm. that somebody like Citibank or uh, the big French bank or somebody like that could say, Oh, I want to have 7 million U S customers and uh, you know, I'll get 1% of them to uh, buy a, a CD. Um, so instead of me trying to create an app that works, which is, we all know, aggravating, right? I'll buy theirs and switch my customers over to it. And it'll be Dave slash Paribas or Dave slash Credit Suisse. And certainly you see a lot of those pickups, um, by big companies where they buy somebody instead of creating in-house. So it, that could be an option. Just, you just never know. And to your point, you know, venture capitalists typically will have a basket of stocks like this. And I'm guessing that many of them never make it, but the, yeah. the handful that do can have expen- exponential growth and incredibly high returns. And it makes it worth, worth the while to do that. So we, we were talking about a different stock the other day, and uh, I, I pointed out that our, our friends at Berkshire Hathaway were big investors, and and you came back and showed me how they'd been selling in the insider sales. Can you look at insider sales on Dave Inc.? Do you know how to do that? Yeah, let me go grab it. Um, and I'm just, and I think you can get this from paid investment services or aggregate. You can probably find it from the only comp- from the company's own information. It's just a lot more work. But here um, on Simply Wall Street, there's a couple insider sales here and people have bought and they have sold. So it looks like there was a million shares sold in the last three to six months. And there was a 1.5 million shares purchased in the last three to six months. Interesting. And it'll, and it'll tell you who bought and sold it and their relationship. Uh, like in, these are insider sales. So these are um, individuals who are at high levels in the company or they could be a, a director uh, and they're required by law to report it. They're required by law to report it. So the person that bought stock uh, is the CEO. So the CEO bought stock here oh, in September. And that was uh, the big big purchase. And there are some big um, sales by, looks like a, a closely related company, Limited Liability Corporation. That maybe they were, they appeared Alice to be Mavericks, right. maybe. Uh, Section 32 Limited Liability Corporation. I'm not sure who that is, but they're the they own 24% of the outstanding stock. Hmm. Dark money. Hmm. Uh, one thing I think this is also a Peter Lynchism is that uh, 
it's not a good sign when insiders are selling, but people sell for lots of reasons. They get divorced or they get sick or they retire. But actually when an insider buys, that's a good sign that the insider has faith in the company and they know that it's going to go up. So the CEO buying a million shares is a little heartening actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm still I, not going to buy it. Don't get me wrong. But. Not going to buy it either. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you had a basket of, I don't know, maybe a hundred of these stocks where you invested, I don't know, a hundred bucks in them a piece, one of them might hit, might, might hit, you might have something that's really worth a lot of money. But I think the other 99 like, likely are going to go to zero, but that's how it goes. Uh, one thing, speaking of required by law, right? If you, um, I started on Google Finance, looked up, Dave, D-A-V-E, Dave mm -hmm. Inc. And then I followed that to their website and all their websites yep, for publicly traded have to have um, an investor's uh, webpage where they have to post all their financials, uh, various other finances, but there's usually news, stock information, corporate governance. Um, so you can get, you and I, everybody can get the data that's in these websites and do the analysis yourselves. Um, and I think they have to go back pretty far. Yeah, to your point, then you, you can see the stock sales there. It's just a, I'm going to say I'm a cheapskate, but I'm willing to pay for the service because it aggregates it for you in one place. It's a lot easier to find and see when it's aggregated on one website. But yeah, you should. they would have to publish all that stock sale information. This is an interesting company because it's owned by 24% is owned by venture capitalists, um, private equity firms. So that's the big, um, whoever is that name of that company. I don't know whose company that is owns that 24% of this firm. Yeah. So you can spend a lot of time on it. Well, obviously there's people who do it for a living, right? Analysts yeah. and, and such. But to the, I wanted to just talk about a point you made before. It's interesting. So if you have really big stocks, say like, a Verizon, uh, Apple, there's lots of analysts that cover them and everybody has somewhat of a different opinion. And it's always, you know, to your point, it's the same data and that data is correct because it has to be published and has to be truthful, but it's amazing how wide the differences of opinions are. And I know that um, my brokerage is Vanguard and they will give you as a customer uh, two of the analyst services, Market Grader and Argus, and they'll generally always have a different opinion on the same exact stock, right? They, the analysts comes away with a different takeaway, like you should buy, you should sell this stock on the same stock on the same date. So it, it, a lot of it go, a lot of it's the assumptions you make about the data that's there. And uh, every day people buy and sell stocks. So someone's selling a stock that they think is no good. And somebody's buying that same stock on the same day because they think they're going to make money on it. Yeah. It's at, <laughs> Um, yes. And it's, uh, it's, I think Fidelity does it. You also get some good, whatever brokerage firm you use with your 401k or whatever, uh, typically you get access to whatever they have. So you get the free, the free services always have that 20 minute lag on mm -hmm. the stock quotes and you should be able to get quasi real time ones. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think Fidelity does a pretty good job of aggregating all the analysts and it'll tell you what the average uh, recommendation on this, but like you say, there'll be nine analysts and uh, two will be a hard sell and three will be a buy, buy, buy. And, um, I don't know. You could probably do okay by taking the average of their um, stock target price 
but they change it too. So there's lots and lots of information. I always laugh to your point. It's the same raw data and nine people are coming away with sometimes very disparate opinions on what you should do. Right. And um, what's the, what's the stat I like to quote? I think 85% of the people who are money mutual fund managers can't beat the S and P 500 in any given year. So I don't true. think I, I don't think I can beat it either. <laughs> but what I like I like to think about is I can prevent myself from buying things that are overpriced. But again, the subject interpretation. Uh, buy, sell, Dave. So if you I'm tempted to buy one share, <laughs> and in today's world, that that is. Um, actually really cheap. It wasn't more than 25 years ago. It cost you $25 to buy a share of stock. That's true. It doesn't cost anything now for some reason. It's it's crazy how much prices have dropped. So back in the day, you had to make a phone call because um, the internet didn't exist. Say back in the, didn't exist where it's readily accessible. Let's say the early 1990s and you had to pay a transaction fee and a cheap transaction fee might be $20, $20 $25, something like that to buy a stock. So you didn't want to buy one. $8 because this transaction fee would cost you $25. Yeah, you'd have to think about it because you'd want to at least get your $25 back. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It looks like looks like at one point they had two people following them. And I think they're either down to one or zero. But Fidelity does do a equity summary score, but they don't do one on Dave Inc. because they need at least four independent research providers. Yeah, it's a pretty small stock. I, I do have a number of smaller stocks stocks, um, maybe some more bit bigger than this one. And oftentimes there's only one or two analysts that follow them. So it's hard to get any kind of any independent analysis because I always like to read what other people are saying about things. Right. Yeah. Um, but some, you know, something like this, it's sometimes one is all you got. So it's one person's, I want to say opinion, but they're kind of analysis taking the facts as they are and trying to predict what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the uh, composite analysis of uh, on Tesla. It's a little all over the map there. Oh well, yeah, that's the market working, right? If, if, if it was obvious what was going up, everybody would buy it, and then the price would go up. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So you can spend a lot of time driving yourself crazy. I enjoy spending a lot of time driving myself crazy, but the average listener should probably just buy a diversified mutual fund or ETF, S and P 500, and buy it every two weeks and get paid through your company and invest in your 401k and over the long run, you'll probably do okay. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, this was a tough one, uh, but we're a little hindered by the fact that it would be illegal for us to actually do analysis on this stuff, right? You're supposed to be licensed by the SEC to do it. We are merely giving our opinions on the data that's presented to us and not making or offering any investment advice. So don't do what I do. Absolutely. Um, and like a lot of things, you can do it. That doesn't mean you shouldn't pay somebody else to do it who does it every day and has all the proper tools, like plumbing. <laughs> you know, plumbers aren't smarter than we are. You can figure it out. You can but figure it out. There's a lot of things you can do yourself. It's just a matter of, a matter of, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, and there's, and the problem with all this uh, information being free is that some of it's garbage. <laughs> So you gotta you gotta weed it all out, but anyway, well that was fun. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for maybe there's one that's less of a 
dog with dog with fleas. We should we should do one maybe that we're both interested in that maybe a bigger company's been around longer and try to draw some conclusion from it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah these are. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, this was fun. Let's uh, wrap it up and uh, we'll uh, come up with something else for our next one. It's uh, good to do this again. We took a little break there because we were, uh, were a little, running a little short on wisdom. Um, but uh, now we can admit that we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> All right. Until right, next thanks. time, listeners. Bye. Bye.